0: as high producing agents and team leaders share their stories and unpack the principles and systems they've used to double, triple, and even quadruple their business while enjoying greater quality of life. And now, here's the latest episode of Club Wealth TV. everybody. Welcome back. We have a very special episode because we are sharing a conversation in which Michael was interviewed on another industry podcast. So we're going to jump to that in just a second. First, want to just thank everyone for sharing the show. We so appreciate all the great feedback in, that we get both on the Facebook group for the live broadcast and on Apple Podcasts for the reviews and ratings. We really appreciate everyone that takes their time to leave a rating, to give a shout out to one of our amazing guests in their rating and their review so that other people know uh, and get a sense of what the show is like and what to expect and who the guests are. We appreciate everyone that shares it with another agent or another colleague in the business. And with that being said, let's jump into this very special episode.
1: All right, guys. So today we have Michael Hellickson on the show today. He is the founder and president of Club Wealth Coaching and Consulting. He, in a past life, was a real estate rock star, listing over 75 homes a month, closing tons of homes on a monthly basis. He's out of the Seattle area. So welcome, Michael. Thanks for being on the show today.
0: I appreciate you having me. Thank you, Stephanie.
1: So to kick it off, give us some of your background, tell us where you came from, and then we'll chat about what you're up to now.
0: Well, I sold real estate for just over 25 years. Uh, Started just as a kid, literally in high school and uh, built my own team on up to the number one team in the country. We were uh, at some point in time uh, listing between 50 and 75 houses a month. And eventually we got to where we were closing 120 to 180 homes a month and had 750 listings and pending status at one point. So it's been uh, kind of my background.
1: Awesome. And so tell us what you're doing now.
0: So now uh, I'm fortunate. I get to help other agents do the same thing, right? So we, we help agents from the brand new agents all the way on up to the biggest agents in the country. Uh, we help them grow oftentimes from, you know, sub 25 transactions a year, all the way on up to thousands of transactions per year. Uh, so, yeah, it's it's neat that I get to that I get to now help other people do the things that helped me to be able to achieve not just success, but really balance in my life.
1: So do you miss being in the living room and talking about paint colors?
0: Oh, well, yeah. Sometimes. Sometimes. I enjoyed that. I really loved it. I enjoyed the listing side of the business. That was my passion. Uh, that said, I also enjoyed the team building side. But sometimes God's got a different plan for us. Sometimes God realizes that, you know, he knows what our, why we're here on this planet, right? And I, I, for me, as good as I was at selling real estate, I was put here to help other people be successful. So, awesome. do I miss it? Parts of it? Yes, but I wouldn't go back. I, I, I'm i definitely happy with what I do now.
1: Awesome. So before we dive in any deeper, just it's May 2020 when we're recording this towards the end of the month, kind of what are you seeing in your neck of the woods from a national standpoint as well with housing? We've got coronavirus that hopefully is tapering off. Um, kind of what have, what have you seen this year for 2020?
0: Well, there's two camps, right? You've got the, I'm going to play a super safe camp. I want to, you know, stay away from everybody and cocoon up and hide for lack of a better term. And and nothing wrong with that, by the way, not, not a judgment at all. Uh, then you've got this other camp that's, you know, darn torpedoes, full speed ahead. I'm going to do everything I can to be successful. And, you know, if I get sick, I get sick, I'll figure it out. And, you know, there's a little bit of in between, but the reality, and, and, you know, there's certainly agents out there that are, that are working really hard to find ways to be successful, uh, and do it in a safe manner. What I have found is that Shinzu was right. Uh, for those of you that, f- that have read the art of war, uh, Shinzu mentions that uh, where there's chaos, there's an opportunity. And I am a full believer in that. And this last couple of months, for those that understood that they found the opportunity in the chaos. And literally I'd say over 80% of our clients had their best months ever, ever in their career in March and April, uh, and are still having great months right now. And the market's on fire right now. Multiple offers I means I've heard as many as 30 plus offers on a single home. Uh, and I literally just in the last couple of weeks, it's crazy out there. It's good. Crazy though. And here's the thing, you know, with interest rates as low as they are low inventory, we expect, of course, we're going to have a great run. So I expect a very busy summer. Uh, I expect that, uh, over time you're going to see, you know, in the next few months, I don't know how long, I don't have a crystal ball. Nobody does. Um, uh, but this is my fourth time going through this type of a shift in the market. Uh, I came in during a shift, uh, when I started my career and I uh, went through 2001, 2007, uh, and now this one. And I can tell you that what's likely to happen is you're going to start seeing more inventory come in the market. People are going to start feeling like, Hey, if I'm going to get top dollar for my home, now's the time to do it. So as those homes come on the market over, over time, we'll shift right now. We're very much in a seller's market. We will shift and we will become a, a balanced market once again, but I don't believe that balanced market will last very long. I think we'll go fairly quickly from seller's market to buyer market. And at that point in time, People get really picky about who they're going to list with and you're going to see a definite difference in the people, people in a, in a tight market. Nobody calls their cousin, cousin Jethro up and list their house with them just to do a (laughs) solid, right? What they want is they want to make sure, gosh, darn it. I got somebody that's a killer, somebody that's going to really do a great job for me. They're going to be a pit bull on the pant leg of opportunity and they're going to get me the, you know, as much money as possible in the shortest amount of time possible. That gets especially pronounced if we get back into short sales in REO. Now, I don't expect it to be like 07 to 2011, but I have seen already. Even right now, there are short sales happening. Uh, you know, People have bought their home in the last year that for one reason or another just can't make their payments. And so they're already starting to see some short sales come back up. Well, guess what? Again, people look to a more experienced, more aggressive agent during those times. So yeah, I'm excited. I think this is a great time for great agents. And I think that it is going to be a time that weak agents are going to be leaving the business.
1: No, I agree with you. My business partner and I were talking about it and not to sound crazy opportunistic in a bad way, but we were like, man, we're kind of ready for this before Corona, a little bit of a shift because especially in DFW Dallas, Fort Worth, I mean you walk down the street to the grocery store and you bump into an agent, right? And so everybody knows an agent. It's so easy to get their license nowadays. But what consumers don't recognize is it is a skill-based business, just like Mm -hmm. a doctor or anything else. And you're trusting them with your largest asset a lot of times. And when it's an easy market, that might be okay to just let, like you said, your cousin sell the house. But we are experiencing, at least in DFW, a bit tighter market with pricing, builder... You know, prices, we have to be in line with that, condition issues. And we haven't seen the foreclosures go up too bad here yet, but I suspect we might be seeing some of that. Agreed. I don't think it'll be like 07, 08 timeframe, but I, it'll be interesting to see kind of what we, we get in the next six to nine months as maybe some of the unemployment numbers come back out. I'll be interested to see kind of how that affects us here. So,
0: I think, I think another positive uh, unintended consequence of what's likely to happen is that you're gonna see the professionalism level in the industry rise once again. Uh, you know, right now you got everybody and their cousin out there. You know, they're in you know flip flops and shorts and you know they're, they got. What's their, wrong with that, No, I'm teasing. Right, <laughs> they, they got their you know. I can't day. wear my yoga they're pants to
1: so listing. Come on.
0: <laughs> oh my gosh! Yeah, no, no juicy uh, couture stuff uh, on the on the listing points, right? I, I mean, seriously though, it's it's crazy to me how people how people show up to work. Uh, you know, I had I. I I hate to say this. I had a client, very high producing client, uh, you know, solid seven figure earner uh, for a long time. And I'm, when I say seven figures, I'm talking net income, right? Very high producing uh, agent. Had a friend from high school that uh, called and wanted to do a listing appointment with him. So he goes over to her house. He's got, you know, he's got what he thinks are really nice flip flops on, right? He's got these, you know, designer flip-flops and these he's got Tommy Bahamas shorts and the Tommy Bahamas uh, button down shirts. Like in his mind, he's, he's dialed in. Right. And he's in one of those warm climates where, you know, that sort of thing is by, by some uh, people's estimations acceptable. Well, even though he'd known this gal for 20 years and it's, by the way, it's a multimillion dollar house, $20,000 yep. commission to the listing agent on this house, twenty thousand personal brand. Years. Oh my gosh. And she's just like, yeah, um, I'm over it. I'm not listening with you because I don't feel like you're taking me seriously. If you don't take yourself seriously enough to dress for work, how can I think you take me seriously? So I think that we're going to see a lot of changes there. I think that the professionalism level will rise um, and and it needs to. And, And by the way, during this period of time, you'll see a lot of the discounters for sale owner companies and even some of the uh, the other third party entities that would love to get a piece of this industry. You'll see the wonderful
1: iBuyers.
0: Well, and I, you know, here's, it's funny. I love iBuyers. Let me tell you why I love iBuyers. Everybody likes to give iBuyers a hard time, but you know, we were all iBuyers before iBuyers. We ran things like guaranteed sale programs, those types of USPs. All the iBuyer companies did was figure out, Hey, this is a great USP. Let me just rebrand it a little bit differently and put it out there, and I'll be an iBuyer, and all of a sudden, that became a better USP than guaranteed sale. Well, what happened when corona hit? All of a sudden, those iBuyers, all of them, sh- down. down, nope. right? Now, they're nope. back. You're going to see them come back into the marketplace. That said, yes, you know, these people that think they're going to disrupt the industry are being now disrupted by the marketplace, and that's okay.
1: Yeah, it'll be interesting. We had um, situations here where the I buy, you know, they had offers out and they pulled them, and and things weren't. Yeah, it was a little bumpy there for a little bit with COVID. So it'll be interesting to see what happens. But um, so talk about when you're coaching. So the audience here, we've got real estate agents, we've got builder sales professionals. I know you work with both. What are some of the things that you're helping? Um, real estate agents, sales professionals and organizations with to grow their businesses, to get better? Give us some details on kind of what you guys are helping the market with.
0: Well, besides tools, systems, technology, people, you know, all of the things that you need to run a successful business, there's really three things. It really boils down to three things that you have to, every single business on this planet, whether it's in real estate or it's some other industry, every single business on this planet has to master three things if they want to be successful. Very simply, it's lead generation, lead follow-up, and lead conversion. Mm -hmm. That's it. Without those three things, you don't have a business. And it's no wonder that salespeople are among the highest paid professionals on the planet. Why? Because they control most of that process, right? Now, lead generation can be controlled by a marketing department, but that's an administrative function. Yeah. Typically, in real estate, that's a sales function, which is odd because that's different than most industries. Most industries, you've got a marketing department that causes the lead to come in, and then you've got the sales department that handles those leads when they come in, particularly if you've got an in, inside sales versus outside sales department. Now, real estate agents, by by their nature, are and, and same thing with Uh, well, actually it's different with new construction, with a new construction sales agent, they're typically an inside sales agent versus a real estate agent who's an outside sales agent. What that really means is real estate agents have to go out and they have to get the business and bring it in. So they've got to do the lead generation and they've got to do the lead conversion and the lead follow-up the, in the new construction agents, they generally speaking, have a, a, a company, the, the new builder in this case, or a third party marketing company oftentimes, bringing those leads in, and then that new construction agent has to now follow up with those leads and they have to convert those leads. But those three things, lead generation, lead follow-up, lead diversion happen no matter who does them. And so part of our job uh, beyond teaching people how to run a business is helping people master those three things. And we're talking about everything from a system standpoint all the way up to sales standpoint, like neurolinguistic programming techniques are a great example, right? Do you know what matching and mirroring is? Do you know how to implement it? Do you understand what, uh, you know, what embedded commands are and how an embedded command works and how to use it properly? Do you understand what it means to induce a yes state? I mean, there's all kinds of things that you can do to stack the odds in your favor. Now, granted, are not going to manipulate somebody into buying a house that they don't want to buy. That said, you can certainly have an impact as, regardless of whether it's new construction or resale, you certainly can have an impact on whether or not they choose to buy from you. Mm-hmm.
1: So what are you finding is the biggest challenge right now that either sales professionals or agents are having? Is it on the lead generation side or is it the follow-up a conversion? Where's their biggest area of opportunity that you're helping them with?
0: Well, let's start with this. So, Realtor.com and Zillow figured out a long time ago that, hey, you know, as an industry, the real estate industry really sucks at lead generation. So, what they did was they got a hold of our data and they said, well, we'll just do it for them and then we'll sell them back the leads that we got from their data. Smart, right? And everybody likes to hate them for this, but it's like, don't be a hater. Like, they just saw an opportunity and capitalized well, on it. You
1: it's it's the same thing as the iBuyer. Like, if real estate, if the industry in general was a little bit more technical savvy, we wouldn't have all these issues and all these technology companies. Sh- changing our business, right?
0: Exactly right. 100% correct. And so don't be a hater. Just learn to compete with them, right? right? You want to do better? Learn how to generate your own leads. And by the way, there's two things you've got to understand with lead generation. Not only have to understand what the cash conversion cycle is for a lead, but we have to understand what the ROI is for that lead. As an example, a sign call is a short cash conversion cycle. So from the time that I get that sign call to the time it turns into a paycheck is a very short window of time, comparatively. The ROI on a sign call happens to be very high, which is unusual for a short cash conversion cycle lead. Now let's look at a real truck Com or a Zillow lead. I get a real a Com or a Zillow lead, it also tends to be a fairly short cash conversion cycle, right? So it's, it's much faster than, say, a Facebook lead or a pay-per-click lead. That said, the ROI is much lower than a Facebook or a pay-per-click lead. So generally speaking, the longer it takes to convert that, that lead to cash, the higher the ROI, and the shorter it takes to convert the cash, the the lower the ROI. Now, that being said, you can't just go out and do Facebook and, and pay-per-click expecting that I'm going to get the highest ROI, because you'll starve in the short term. Right. You've got to have leads in the short term. You've got you to put food on the table. So we talk about that. There's actually... Uh, and I'll tell you from a lead generation standpoint, there's over 2000 lead sources in real estate today. Wow. There's about 109 that are kind of the best ones um, of those we recommend, you know, so I, I, like I can give you we'll, we'll talk at the end of today. I'll give everybody the opportunity to get, um, I'll give you 17 of my, my best lead sources for free. I'll just, I'll give you, I'll, I'll give you a download form. But that being said, as bad as we as an industry suck at lead generation, we're even worse at lead follow-up. So if I had to say, what's the thing we suck at the most? It's lead follow-up. And you know what? Realtor.com and Zillow both figured this out. You know what they did? They said, hey, why don't we just create Op City and Zillow Concierge? And we'll just charge the agents for the lead follow-up too. And we wonder why there's downward pressure in our commission, because we're giving up all the stuff that's the most important things we do. Two out of the three things that we have to do every day, we've given them up. And guess why what? do you think that is? Is it because, because of the
1: standards in the industry or there's no training? Like, why do you think that is?
0: It's Training is definitely a huge part of it. It's, it's lack of knowledge and lack of an implementation. There's really only two things, right? It's you got to learn how to do it and then you got to go do it. That's it. It's not not rocket nice. We're not splitting the atom here. So you got to figure out how to do it. And and that can be taught. Like we can teach you everything you need to do, but you got to go do it. Right. There's lots of coaches out there, the rah, rah, you know, let me hold you accountable. And I'm going to call you every week and see how many calls you made kind of coaches. That isn't us. Like I'm not interested in working with people that need a babysitter. What we do is we work with people that are serious business professionals that are super motivated, that want to grow. And that when we tell you this is what you need to do and it works they will go do it. That's what we're looking for, right? And so if you're that person, not only can we help you, but you can succeed in this business. If you're not that person, if you need motivation from outside, if you need somebody to hold you accountable to a level that you don't hold yourself accountable, you know, if you need somebody else convincing you to make phone calls to follow up with people, I got news for you. You have bigger problems than this industry. You're gonna, here's the script those people need to learn, right? You ready for this? I'm not a huge a scripts guy, but I will give you a script that I think those people need that, that lack that motivation, that lack that personal accountability. Here's the script you guys need to learn. Would you like fries with that? I know. <laughs> this is like, quit being self-employed. Go get a right? job. Yeah. Dude, literally, that's what they got to learn because I got news for you. That's where you're going to be working. And I'm not criticizing anybody that works at McDonald's or anything like that, but I'm just telling you, man, You're going to have to learn that script. So that said, let's talk more, right? It's true, right? Let's talk more about lead follow-up. See, the lead follow-up, they say the fortunes in the follow-up. Man, it is so true. When I was listing 50 to 75 houses a month, I was literally making 115 to 125 follow-up calls from my car in between appointments. That's a lot, right? So I would go on six to eight appointments a day, and invariably, somebody doesn't show up, right? one of those appointments, no shows on me. Great, that's an hour I can make calls. But I'm scheduling six to eight appointments a day, and every free second I have in between those appointments, I'm pounding the phones, making my follow-up calls. By doing that every day, I would set another six to eight appointments for the next day. And I do that every single day, five days a week. And before you knew it, I was listing 50 to 75 houses a month. Why? Because I didn't care about all that other garbage that everybody else is wasting their time on. When you have an assistant, well, let's back up. Mm -hmm. If you don't have an assistant, you are. Whoa. You're, so the dog's like, Whoa, they getting an assistance important. I, I think your dog just gave me an amen on that one. So but it's true. leave it to the terrier. Is so, that the terrier? Yeah. Yeah. There you go. See, they know they're smart. So it's, uh, one, one thing a terrier is, is it's tenacious, right? Terriers won't let up. Those things, they'll freaking, they'll, they'll whine, they'll complain, they'll be at your at your ankles until you give them that treat they want, right? Yes. You need to be like a freaking terrier. You want to succeed in, in real estate? Be Treat your follow-up like a terrier treats it when you've got food at the table and you're sitting there and they want some of it, right? That's what you got to be. That You got to go get that food on your table.
1: Okay. So I'm going to ask you a question that I know yeah. a lot of people are thinking right now. They're thinking, okay, cool. You have six to eight appointments a day. You're following up with all these people. Like who are these people you're following up with? Are they people in your sphere? Are they people that you bought a list from? Like they're, that's what they're thinking. Cause they're going, wait a second. How do you even have that many people to call every single day?
0: I love it, Stephanie. You're asking the right questions. Okay. So first of all, remember what's step number one to lead generation. generation. So what I have to do is every quarter, here's your goal. Everybody should be writing this down. Here's your goal. Every quarter I want to add one new lead source. Now I'm not looking for lead sources that will give me 300 leads a month. I mean, is it great if we find some of those? Sure, but that's, that's important. What I want are, I want to get, instead of having one lead source that gives me 30 deals a month, I want to find 30 lead sources that give me one or two transactions a month. So I'm going to add one of these new lead sources every single quarter. So it takes me about three months to find the lead source, to, to figure out how to use it, to implement it, to automate it, to delegate off everything I can delegate off, to eliminate all the unnecessary stuff, and then go repeat the process. And that's what you do. And so ideally, if I want to make in real estate sales, if I want to make six figures, talking net income, I want to net six figures, I'm going to need about 10 to 15 great lead sources. If I want to net seven figures, and by the way, when I was doing this, I was only working 12 days a month right so we'll get to that in a second but i want you to think about this you don't have to work 24/7 to do this but you got to work smart right and so and you got to be efficient with your time right and we'll talk about habits too so what i need to do is i need to get if i want to make a solid seven figure net income working just 12 days a month i'm going to need about 25 to 30 lead sources at 25 to 30 leads that i've got that i've automated delegated and eliminated all the unnecessary stuff all of a sudden now I've got so many leads coming in. I don't have to make Fisbo calls, expired oh. calls, cold calls. I don't have to do any of that stuff. All I have to do is make follow-up calls to people that have reached out to me. That's it.
1: Can you give us an example of one of those lead sources?
0: Uh, sure. Uh, I mean, there's, dude, there's tons of them. I, I'm trying to think of one that's really easy to implement right now. Let's go with, um, leads So leads is a motivated seller lead source. Um, it's, you know, they they've found, they've gone to a website, they've found information, uh, on this website that's, that basically entice them to reach out to someone who can, Offer them multiple options for their property. Um, these people are not necessarily looking for a real estate agent, oftentimes somebody just to make an offer on their home. So you, you need to be armed with and this this particular source, and, and they're all different, right? So you asked me just for one. Yep. So there's just plenty an example. Of sure. You know, this is just one example. But this particular lead source, my best month ever, I, I listed 30 homes out of this one lead source alone. Uh, now that's unusual. A a great lead source is five homes a month. That's fantastic, right? Right. How many many of those do you need to make a killer living in real estate? Right. But this particular one, very consistent for me and what they're, but what they're looking for is they want options. So my approach to them was, Hey, look, I can, I can buy your house, but like any other investor, I'm going to need to buy it at a discount that will give you cash right away. Right. uh, Or if you can wait 90 days, I can get you top dollar for it and you can get this much cash. Which would you prefer? Give them the choice. And by the way, 99% of the time, what do they choose? The second option. Oh, the second did? option. Yeah. The one that gives you the most money. Right. Yeah. I don't need. Most people don't want their money fast as much as they want their, the most money they can get. Right. Now that being said, what do you do when you happen to find one that does want the money fast and maybe you're not in a position to buy it? Great. Call me. I'll buy it if it's a screaming deal, finding a buyer is easy. That is not hard. There are tons of people like me out there that will buy a screaming deal. If you can get them for 65 cents on the dollar, you will have no shortage of people that want to buy that. They'll write a check today for it. Um, So that being said, this all comes back to lead follow-up. And there's two components to lead follow-up that you have to have in place. If you don't have these two components in place, you've lost. Component number one is speed to lead, write that down speed to lead. Mm -hmm. So most people think, Oh, if I get to my leads within five minutes, I'm good. No, you're not. That was four years ago today. If you don't get to that lead in 30 seconds, you're late because between 30 seconds and the five minute mark, they've gotten calls from four to five other agents. In fact, the number one buyer of realtor.com leads in the country uh, but he'll buy this year. He'll buy over $12 million in realtor.com leads, his speed to lead. And I say his, it's really his ISAs, but his team's speed to lead six seconds. Wow. Six seconds. So lead comes in, they don't even look it up. They just literally their, their technology literally uh, calls wow. them. Second, it comes in and connects an agent with them live right now. Uh, that's what you gotta do. You gotta be super fast. Now, outside of that, you've got to be. That you've got to be the terrier, right? You've got to be the tenacious. So, it's speed lead and tenacity are the two components. Now, by tenacity, uh, oh, do we have time? Can I walk you through an example? Yeah, totally. I want you to an example. All right. So, I get a lead come in. First of all, y'all should be getting in your leads at some level. If you're not getting in your leads, you're crazy. Um, because 92% of all buyers start their search online. Yep. And of those, 72% work with the first stage that they come in contact with. What cracks me up is people that say, oh, but Michael, I work with referrals only. And I say, wow, well, that's fantastic. You've had a great run these last few years when it's been the best market that I've ever experienced in my entire lifetime. Uh, and I got news for you. You're about to go out of business. And they, they get all offended. What? What are you talking about? Well, guess what doesn't happen in a recession? Nobody calls their buddy up and says, Hey, I'm about to lose my house to foreclosure. Do you have a great real estate agent you can refer me to? Like said no one ever, right? So let me tell you, we've watched this happen every time these cycles come around. This is exactly what happens. The agents that are 100% referral all the time, their business suffers. The agents that have built a balanced infrastructure with multiple lead sources do just fine. So please, for the love of all that's good in this world, diversify your lead sources. That said, internet lead comes in. What do you do? pick up the phone and call them right now. So what if they don't answer? What do you think, Stephanie? If they don't answer, should we leave a voicemail? I'd send them a text. You'd send them a text. Very good. I like that. That's actually step three. So, this, so if they don't answer the first time, we don't leave a voicemail and we hang up. It's called the, and, and then we call them right back. It's called a double dial, yeah. right? We're going to immediately make that second call. And if they don't answer the phone the second time, we're going to send them another text message. Can you guess what our text message is? i give you a hint. It's three words. And I'm going to give you this three words. will get them. Uh, can, you will connect with them 83% of the time. If you use these three words. Okay. No, she's getting her pen now. I love this. I can her <laughs> write it down now.
1: Call me now.
0: <laughs> no, you're very close. That's you know, you're. wait till you hear text number two. So first of all, put yourself in, in their shoes, right? Let's say, let's say a good chunk of these people have kids. Okay. So okay. somebody called their number from a number that they don't recognize. They didn't answer. The person didn't leave a message. The is it coming
1: up... up as a spam risk? Because now they have that on the phones.
0: Maybe depends on what number you're calling from. Okay, so uh, that really just depends on what number you're using the call from. That being said, the same person calls back from a number they don't recognize. They don't answer. Then, the, and the person doesn't leave a voicemail. Now you get a text message from that person, and all it says is, "Is this Stephanie?" So whatever number that, or whatever name they registered on the website with, is this Susie, Stephanie, Joe, whatever. Okay. And, and so now it's, now it's like, oh, my gosh, if you've got kids, you're thinking to yourself, holy cow, one of my kids is either in jail or in the hospital, depending on which kid it is.
1: Right, exactly. But
0: so now you've got their attention. They almost always respond with the following words, almost every time. Who is this? Yes, who is this? That is literally what they respond with almost every time. And so then the the response that you send at this point is three more words. And these three words will get them dying to get on the phone with you. Calling you now. <laughs> That's it. That's all you send. Just calling you now. That's it. And let me tell you, they pick up the phone like you can't believe at this point. And so here's the thing. And some people think, oh, Michael, that's so sneaky and that's just not nice. I'm blah, 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 whatever. No, it's not. What did I do? What did I say in there that's not honest? What did I say in there that wasn't clear? What did I say in there? I mean, I just I just asked, are you this person? They said yes. And I said, great, calling you now. Not a big deal, right? From their point of view, the way they hear that information, the way they receive that information may or may not create a sense of urgency. I'm hoping it does. And assuming that it does, guess what? I'm going to be on the phone with them very quickly. Well, that's great. And then if they happen to be upset, which only about one out of a thousand are, but if they happen to be upset and they say, oh my gosh, you freaked me out. I thought something was wrong with one of my kids. Your response is very simple. Oh, Stephanie, I am so sorry. I just, you had inquired about one, two, three main street. And I just, I wanted to make sure I wasn't dropping the ball in my end. Did you have questions about the house? Would you like to know the price or would you like to set up a time to see it? Mm-hmm. Game over. And guess what? Now you've disarmed them. They feel better. You just wanted to make sure you weren't dropping the ball on your end. Right. Which by the way is the number one follow script, follow up script on the planet. So write this down. If there's one script that I do believe you need to use, it's this one. When you're making your follow-up calls, simply say, I just want to make sure I'm not dropping the ball on my end. I just want to make sure I'm not dropping the ball on my end. All of a sudden, you've positioned yourself from sleazy salesperson that's always calling up, are you ready to sell yet? Are you ready to buy yet? right? For, you know, from that self-serving salesperson that they all think we are mm-hmm. to an actual servant who cares, who just wants to help them out. And wouldn't you rather be positioned that way? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. So lead generation and lead follow-up. Now, tenacity. Let's talk about the tenacity. So we talked about speed lead. We talked about what to do when you get the lead. Now let's talk about tenacity of follow-up. So there's six ways we follow up, six methods we use. Here they are. Super simple. Phone, email, text message, video email video text message and my personal favorite facebook stalking now people give me a hard time when i say this but look so, stalking used to be like a three to five year sentence now it's a six-figure income right so you got to stalk these guys on facebook i know does that sound terrible it makes me such a bad guy but but the reality is you got to find them on facebook because guess yeah. what people are they are on facebook right. right go where they are uh, and by the way, we don't know which one they're going to respond to. And it doesn't matter whatever they respond to. That's how we'll communicate with them going forward. You got to find out what they're going to respond to. All right. So now how often do I follow up? This is the key. So write this down. This is the club wealth rule of three club wealth. You can see behind me there club wealth. That's the coaching company that I work with. That's uh, or that I guess technically I own it, but I'm one of the 76 plus coaches here. And our rule of three is very simple. I'm going to reach out to them in one of those six methods three times a day for the first three days, three times a week for the next three weeks, and three times a month for the next three months. I will give it to you again, three times a day for the three days, three times a week for the next three weeks, and three times a month for the next three months. And I'm telling you, when you follow up with that level of tenacity, most agents give up after one or two attempts. Yeah. You follow up with that tenacity three, four months into it. You're the only one left. Nobody else is following up with them. And you're starting to build a relationship with them. All of a sudden they're recognizing who you are. And when you're saying things like, Hey, I just want to make sure that I'm not dropping the ball in mind. They say, Oh no, no, not you. It's me. Right. It's like that girl in high school. Right. So it's no big deal at that point. You're not offensive at that point. So they actually welcome your call because it's a pleasant call. We call it being pleasantly persistent. Yeah pleasantly persistent.
1: I love it. So is this your ISA team, the inside sales team doing this, or is this your actual buyers or listing agents making these calls and follow-ups?
0: Well, it depends on the structure of your team and how mature your team is. Uh, So, On on my real estate team, when I was going on my own appointments, I was setting my own appointments. Uh, I was making 115 to 125 of those follow-up calls a day for my car. Today with Club Wealth, we have a huge ISA team, and that's what they do all day long. Every day, they set appointments so that our our coaches can do their strategy session. Basically, what we do is a little bit different structure, but our coaches who sell more real estate than the people they coach, they do a, a free strategy session with, with each person. You know, every agent in the country can have a free strategy session with us once a year. Okay. Uh, and so to make those calls happen we have our ISAs setting those appointments um so that our coaches cuz our our coaches don't have the time to make to set those appointments right right so and eventually when you grow your real estate business ideally you'll have ISAs as well setting those you know setting your appointments for you um but it takes time right so in the beginning when i'm new in real estate i'm chasing business like crazy eventually over time i want to transition from chasing business to attracting business that right And it takes effort and it means I got to be in the grind for a period of time. And then at some point in time, I have more time than, excuse me, more money than time, right? When I'm new, I have more time than money. But once I get to that point where I start having more money than time, I can start just writing a check and getting my leads to come in. And so we have a whole different list of lead sources that we recommend at that point. So understanding where you're at with that is critical to dialing in the right habits every day. And that is, by the way, another point that we need to cover is your habits.
1: I love it. I love habits and routines.
0: Yes. Oh my gosh. Show me your schedule for last week. And I'll tell you how much money you're going to make this year. No joke. I, I mean, it's, it's, it's very straightforward. I can guess with, within a few thousand dollars about what, you know, if I know your average sales price, I can guess within a few thousand dollars, what you're going to make this year. If I know what you did last week. Because what you did last week is likely to be what you do this week. And that's likely to be what you do next week. Uh, our habits define us and they dictate our success. So if you want to be more successful, clean up your habits.
1: So what's the number one area that you feel like most agents or sales professionals need help with from a habit standpoint? Is it morning routine? Is it sitting down and doing follow-up at a certain time? What what do you normally happen to help them adjust?
0: So we have something called the perfect daily schedule. Okay. In fact, I'll tell you what you guys can all get a free copy of it. There's in fact, there's a video I've got about, a, can't remember if it's 20 minutes or an hour, but there's a video on on our website. Uh, if you go to clubwealth.com forward slash PDS clubwealth.com forward slash PDS. Uh, and then you can get the download on what we believe is the perfect daily schedule and it's free. You don't have to pay anything for it. Um, but you've got to dial in what's perfect for you. There is no perfect daily schedule for everybody, right? It's what is your perfect daily schedule? And don't try and make it too robust. Don't start off saying, oh, I'm going to do this, like scheduling out your whole eight or 10 or how many hours a day you're going to work. Don't just go schedule that all out and hold yourself accountable to making sure all of it happens every day. Start with get up on time. Mm-hmm. Pick a time. What time do you need to get up? And then work it backwards. If I'm going to get up at six or five or four or whatever time it is, what time do I have to go to bed to make that happen? So start there. Then if you're struggling with that, put your alarm clock on the other end of the room so that you got to get out of bed and go shut your alarm off. Then figure out what your first step of your morning routine is, right? What am I going to do for Am I going to work out? If not, okay, look at me. Do I work out? Come on, right? No. So, you know, what, I'm, not, I'm not that guy. Don't get me wrong. There's guys that, you know, whatever. I've got spaghetti arms. That said... You got to figure out what your first step in your morning routine is, and then make sure you do that. One of the things that really helps is schedule an appointment early in the morning before you're able to pick up the phone and start calling people that you don't have an appointment with that will force you out of bed earlier. Um, if you don't have a team, like with our coaching, we actually have a daily huddle. I really recommend the daily huddle. If you, if you're on a team, make sure your team is doing a daily huddle at okay. seven thirty every morning. Seven thirty. Uh-huh. It's it, it's mission critical. I can tell you right now. Not in every case. There's certainly exceptions. So don't don't go getting all crazy on me, folks. I know that there's going to be somebody out there as soon as I say this going to flip out.
1: Most people are thinking I got into real estate to pick my own schedule. Seven thirty. What?
0: Right. Exactly. But here's the reality. The reality is. There is a direct correlation between what time people get up and start their day and their income at the end of the year. There's a totally direct agree. correlation. I totally agree. Yeah. Yeah. So get up earlier, you guys. Uh, you know, you want to make more money, get up earlier. And not only that, you want to make more money, get focused on the things that lead directly to a listing or a sale. If it doesn't lead directly to a listing or sale, pay somebody else to do it. Don't do it yourself. You need to be focused on those three key elements we talked about, lead generation. Lead follow up and lead conversion. If ninety percent of your day is those three things, I don't care if you work four hours a day, eight hours a day, ten hours a day. It doesn't matter how many hours you work. Right. If ninety percent of it is those three things, you'll be very successful.
1: What about agents like like you said? Once you get into a routine, you've you've got a couple of years under your belt. You've got a database. Are you helping them also figure out how to stay in? Because you probably know the stats better than me, but I think they say like. 87% of people would work with their agent again but only 11% do or something like that because only that agent not remember their name. Exactly, exactly. So, are you helping them okay now that we've transitioned you you've been in real estate a few years what in Dallas, Fort Orland the average person buys and sells within about a 5 to 7 year timeline. So, they're looking for a home and you know another few years. How are you recommending the agent stay in touch with them cuz let's be real. Once you buy a house, it's like buying a car. You don't want to talk about interest rates for at least a little bit because you want to settle in. So how do you recommend agents stay in front of their database in an effective manner to where, when they are ready to list again or buy again, they're reaching out to them first?
0: Well, let's start with this. You're right. People don't necessarily want to talk about buying and selling houses every day, right? Being normal people, people that aren't in, um, not that people in the industry aren't also normal people. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. But at the end of the day, what we've got to understand is we've got to develop a relationship with these people and it's got to extend beyond closing. Don't be a secret agent, right? Don't be the, 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 the guy or the gal that the day that the closing happens, you get a check and you're out, right? You know, you ever talk to them again. So we've got to build a relationship with them over a long period of time. And really that just means make them your friend. And it sounds harder than it is. Uh, as an example, uh, I would recommend that you do if if you only do a couple of things. Here's the things that you got to do that will get you, that, that will get literally eighty percent of the value you can get out of that database. Number one, hold a client event every quarter. Okay, every quarter client event. Super simple. Doesn't have to cost a lot of money. It can be a barbecue in your backyard. You know, Stephanie, you're in Texas. People love barbecue in Texas. Uh, although I have yet to have amazing barbecue in Texas. They all talk about how great it's down there. You guys, oh, that's not true. I did have it once in San Antonio. I had amazing barbecue at a hotel in San Antonio. Uh, so that said. It could be simple. It could be burgers on your barbecue. It could be uh, it, it, it could be literally, we've got lists and lists of things you can do, ideas that you can do that don't cost any money. It's not about the money. It's about the opportunity it provides for you to call the client up and you're not calling them to, talk, to get referrals out of them. You're not calling them to get them to do business with you. You're calling them up to see how they're doing. Yeah. So the call goes something like this. Hey, Stephanie, it's Michael with Helix and Real Estate. So haven't talked to you in a while. And uh, I just, just want to see how you're doing. How's the house? How's the kids? You, you know, how the, the 10 dogs, you know, are they they doing all right. Right. And you just have a conversation with them. And then let Stephanie do most of the talking, right? Let your client do 90%. Of the talking. Now, before you hang up the phone, whatever you do, do not do the whole, you know, and I'm not going to pick on the coach because I don't want to get Brian mad at me, but you know, this whole, Oh, by the way, if you were thinking of buying or selling a home, do you have a friend or a family member? You Are you so- referring to Buffini? Oh my gosh. And listen, don't care. I wouldn't, I wouldn't, I wouldn't admit that publicly, but yes. So here's the deal, I like Brian. All right. Brian's a good guy. He's got a great program. Yeah. I coached with him 30 years ago for a year, got everything. You know, it's five things, right? Calls, yeah. notes, Popeyes, client events. But
1: I think that's uh, a good point. Like I, I was going to ask you about this too. I'm sorry to interrupt you. I think there's been a shift though. Like People don't want to be sold anymore. They want to be led and guided. They don't want to feel like you're only calling to get a referral. And they're gonna, sure. let's be real, like they know when you say that at the end, as st- right. they felt great about the call, and now they're going. That's why she called. She didn't care that's about right. the kids. She didn't care about the dogs. That's let's be real.
0: That's right. I, that's exactly right. Uh, and and you just came across as very handed and and back ended right, and that's not yes. what they want. They want, listen, if they have to choose between being your client and your friend, they will choose friend nine times out of 10 over being your client. You obviously want them to be both. You especially want them to be your client, I'm assuming. And so if you want to make that happen, you've got to, you've got to first understand the value of the relationship. You've got to understand the lifetime value of a client, right? Yeah. What is the lifetime value of a client? So in other words, what can you stand to earn in commission dollars, not just with that client, but all the people they're going to refer I'll tell you, we did the math on this. And in most markets around the country, the lifetime value of a client is easily in excess of a million dollars. You can literally earn in excess of million with a million t- dollars with a client today is assuming you're going to be in the business for the next 15, 20 years, that number can easily eclipse a million dollars. Uh, and so when you make that call, is it okay to invite them to a party? Yeah. Invite them to your house for the barbecue. That's different. You're not asking them for something. You're giving them some, Hey, I'm having some friends over next week. Yeah, Stephanie, we're going to, we're going to barbecue in the backyard. Uh, you know, I thought we'd, uh, see if you guys wanted to come over and have a burger on us. Great. Right. No big deal. Um, that's very different. So just understand people want a relationship. They want to be respected. They don't want to be treated like a piece of meat right Uh, so client events if I could do just one thing I would do client events once a quarter and I would invite every single one of my people how would I invite them stop with this oh I'm going to send an invite and an email and a text message and a Facebook message pick up the freaking phone yeah because guess what again it's not about the invite to the event I don't even care if they show up would I like them to show up yes it would be great if they showed up absolutely Because, you know, I get all kinds of opportunities to engage with them face to face. I can introduce them to other clients, help them establish relationships inside my circle, which keeps everybody working with me. All of that's great stuff. At the end of the day, though, it's enough for me that I got on the phone with them and I had the opportunity to be sincerely compassionate and care about them and their situation. And just see how they do it. Right. Yeah. It's, you guys, this is again, not splitting the atom that said, you have to establish habits. So you got to do these things every single time. If I've got a 250 person database, right. And that goes for clients, past clients, sphere of influence, you know, anybody that I know that knows me, if I've got 250 people on that list, which is by the way, the national average, that's, that's the average that most agents have at 250 people on that list, I should be able to do 25 to 50 transactions from that list alone by only doing just the things I just told you about that's without doing anything else. That's all you got to do. Yeah. So what do I do? Every time I'm going to hold a client event, I'm going to call 250 people three weeks before the client event. And I'm going to invite them.
1: That's it. You ask them to bring somebody if they want to, or is that even it, a conversation it's piece or? conversation?
0: You have to be careful because it can come across as I'm trying to get you opportunistic.
1: To I agree. Yeah. So can I ask you a question about social media?
0: Please. Oh, I love social media.
1: Me too. So how, okay. So how do I word this? Like when real estate being entrepreneurs, there's so many shiny objects, right? You, I'm with Keller Williams. You go to family reunion, you go to yeah. any conference, there's all this technology. There's all these things you could do. Let's be real. You and I both know, like at the end of the day, if I look at my business and go, okay, in a year, I listed hundred homes. The majority of those came from certain pieces of, either referrals or relationships or all this noise over here, It that, that 80% of work didn't get me the business, right? It's the 80-20 rule. So when you look at social media, what do you coach your clients on? Or what do you think is the 20% that you focus on that gets you 80%? Is it getting you leads? Is it getting you keeping in front of your database and your relationships? Like how do you guys utilize social media to generate sales and actual dollars versus just more work, more noise?
0: Okay. Super simple. First of all, understand you have a business page and a personal profile. Two separate things. I do not have a business profile. All right. Very important. My profile is my profile. People want to get to know you. Give Agreed. it back past your yep. life. If your life is so inappropriate that you're embarrassed to have your clients see it. Maybe you shouldn't post it on Facebook. Concept. But, there's a newsflash. slash. Yeah. Right. I mean, how many times have I had to have that conversation? It's like, yes. just because there's pasties covering it doesn't mean it's appropriate for Facebook. Oh, I wow. kid you not. I had to have that one. Okay. So like <laughs> it's we we shouldn't have to have these conversations. I mean, but in today's world, we do. It's crazy. So you're good if your clients friend you. Uh, Is that what you mean? If friend, even if they don't friend me. Oh, okay. I, do, 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 do I do I want them to? Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Friend. Okay. Yes, hundred percent. Okay. Listen, I do business with my friends. My friends do business with me. Okay? Right. My clients and my friends—they're one and the same. Yeah. If you're okay. not my—if you're my client, if, if you could be my client, and you're somebody else's client we're probably not friends. I'm probably not going to spend, you know, that doesn't mean I ostracize people just because they use another real estate agent. I don't mean that at all. Sure. But the reality is my friends choose to do business with me because I know how to handle myself in that relationship. Right. Always put the friendship ahead of money always i will never compromise a friendship over money
1: now do you Uh, seek out your client like do you have someone or do you go on your facebook profile and go friend like if you go on a listing appointment you go friend those people even if they're not your friends like they literally you didn't know them before the appointment friend them when you after you list it or after
0: you close the second they come in like as soon as i they're going to be working with me. Okay. So as soon as I leave their house or as soon as I start showing them houses and we, we establish a relationship, yep. even if they don't necessarily, I don't, I don't have to get our agency agreement signed with them to make them my friend. Sure. Um, but as soon as I know they're a pretty hot lead and we're going to, we're going to do something, together. dude, you're my friend. Like, okay. let's go. We're, cool. we're connecting on Facebook. Okay. Um, I want you to listen because I know your wife's going to want to stalk me on Facebook. Right. right. She's going to get to know my wife. She's going to yep. see, you know, are these weird? Are they, you know, is this, are they safe yes. around my kids? Yes. They, people want to know. And right. You know what? Make it easy for them to know. Don't okay. hide that stuff. Like my profile is wide open. I don't cramp it down, you know, cramp right, it down. Me so I'm just curious. See stuff. Yeah. Everybody can see it. Furthermore, let's talk about the page. The only reason you have a business page, there's one, well, there's really just one reason that you have a business page. That's it. It's so you can run ads. That's yes. it. Part of that, it's yeah. targeting and retargeting. Yeah. Yep, I Are you
1: doing... Okay, so a lot of people I talk to have an opinion on real estate of, if is it okay to do like, like the just listed, just sold? Because some people think that's super braggadocious. You just said you got paid. I happen to come from the camp that if you're telling the client's story, I believe that it shows validity in the marketplace. And it shows those clients that might be looking to buy or sell you're in that area you're doing business I love doing that you just sold in four days like to me that's just showing what you're doing and you're rocking it out because people want to go with an agent that's rocking it out that's just my opinion though what do you think
0: I believe you are absolutely correct. In fact, the data backs it up. I can't share the data with you. now. I don't, I don't have it memorized, but I can tell you the data backs up exactly what you just said. And that is people need to see evidence of success. It used to be back in the day, we used to send out, you know, just listed, just sold postcards, that sort of thing. Now, most of this is done electronically. Um, and to your point, you absolutely want to tell their story. I remember back in the day, back in 30 years ago, back before Stephanie was born and, you know, back, you know, when you guys were all little kids, uh, Thank I, you was, for uh that. <laughs> <laughs> I was doing just listed postcards and it would say, literally, you'll never guess what your neighbors, the Johnsons did last night. Right. So it was all like, you know, seductive and like, you know, sketchy. And they're like, what did they do? Right? Right. Like, I got to figure this out. They listed their home with Michael Hellickson, right? Or whatever. So you have to have a headline that grabs their attention. But what we do better today than we did back then is we really tell the client's story right? right. So you can tell the client story and you make it all about them. It's not about you and your business. Don't worry. Your logo's on there. People got yeah. your phone up. It'll be fine. You make it all about them. Right. You make it how, how they got to do something that was important to them. Tell the story in right. great detail. People will love you for it. And right. if I, like, if you can put me in tears with that story, game over. Yeah. Right. Like, game over. Um, so yeah, that's exactly what you want to do.
1: And I think you still add value, right? Like I just recorded a a personal branding episode and we're going to do some episodes here. I've already recorded with some experts on different platforms where I believe you still need to build value. Like I've got a whole listing series on YouTube. That's asked Stephanie, right? Like what do I do do with my pets during showings? How do showings work? What does active option mean? How does the lockbox work? Do I have to have a lockbox? Blah, 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 blah. You, I believe to position yourself as an authority and an expert, you've got to put some valuable content out there, put yourself out there versus Just just Listen, Just Sold. But I definitely think that Just Listen, Just Sold is whether you're a builder sales rep, whether you're a um, real estate agent, def, it's just, it's just proof. It's social proof of what you're doing out there right? Like when I was in new construction sales, I had a neighborhood and I would tour, you know, show the home, demonstrate the model. And I would tell every single person as we would walk to the models, cause I had four models as we're walking, I would point out the full brick home, the full gutters, the full sprinklers, and they would give us credit for that mentally. Well, guess what? It was a city requirement that we had to have full gutters, full brick homes and full sprinklers, but every single sales office they went to after me, if they didn't point that out, Those customers thought that they only got that with me, right? Because that was, I was proving out what we offered. And Mm -hmm. so I think even though you're doing this day in and day out, if you're not calling it out, you're not going to get credit for it. And people aren't going to recognize that's what you're doing because everyone else is busy with their life.
0: That's exactly right. You're hundred percent correct. People are more likely to, when you give them social proof, they are more likely to do business with you because of that than they are. If you cut your commission or if you have the best marketing out there or the best, you know, the most marketing, or you've got that brand. And I love it when, when agents, and here, here's the thing guys, most of the people watching this are here or listening to this. Don't worry about your freaking brand right now. You're not ready for that yet. Go out and put some transactions together. Go focus on taking action to get some transactions under your belt. And then every time you do a transaction, make sure you sell that social proof as hard as you can, as often as you can. I want to make sure that everybody knows that, hey, I'm safe to do business with because guess what? Other people are doing business with me too. Right. Right. People want to work with successful people yes um, and that doesn't mean you need to drive a fancy car i'll give you an example i was the number one agent in the country and i was driving a 1998 toyota forerunner with 200 000, 250 thousand miles on it Why? so you don't have to drive a fancy car what you got to do is drive a clean car yes. wash car present show up fresh yeah <laughs> Absolutely. Work your tail off, right? Like that's what it takes in the beginning. Right. But man, this business offers so much opportunity. If you just show up and you focus on lead generation, lead follow up, lead conversion, dial in your daily habits and, and do some of the things that we're talking about here, you can't lose. You just, you can't.
1: So what I we could go forever because there's a lot of different pockets I'd like to get into. But w- the one last thing I'd like to talk about before I've got five questions I ask every guest is you in the pre-show, you talked about a little bit of automation and some systems. And I'm an automation freak. And um just curious, kind of once you've got people that are in real estate for a while, they've gotten to their groove and they're wanting to now systematize their business. What are some of the ways that you're showing them how to do that? Is it I mean, like I totally, we went all paperless. Everything's triggered from a form to where we've got workflows in the background. How else do you kind of educate and coach your clients on that so that they're leveraging their time and they're being the most efficient?
0: So everything you just talked about needs to be done. Unfortunately, most agents haven't done it. It's actually very easy to do. You can use Google Forms. You can, there's so many ways you can do exactly what you just talked about uh, and do it very inexpensively and very easily. And when you think about it, that reduces the need for administrative time, be it from you or from an assistant that you have to pay an hourly rate to. Exactly. So you want to automate. There's three things, right? Automate, delegate, eliminate. So you want to automate every single thing in your business that you possibly can. If it's got to be done more than once in your business, put a system to it. Right. Figure out how can I automate this. If I can't automate it, should I be delegating it? And if it's not something, and, and so you're going to automate everything you can, delegate everything you can, and then anything that's left, you got to really look at it hard and say, Do I really need this? Or right. should I be eliminating it altogether? Uh, but that's what, the, what it takes to simplify. And when you do that now, your time gets used very efficiently. I mean, how often do you think I pick up the phone to call an agent and say, hey, would you like to do a strategy session with me? Yeah. How often do I ever make that call? I've never make that call. I made that call in years, right? Oh. Because I've, I've gotten to the point in my career where I don't have to. How did I get to that point? By automating, delegating, and eliminating.
1: Is it, just curious, is there any like... Three tools that you recommend that like are your favorites that you guys talk about or
0: Yeah. so number on- one you have your CRM and and there's a million of them out there and it's different for everybody it depends on your whole tech stack you got to understand what's in my tech stack how do these right. things interact with one another what works with what what doesn't um, now one of the great band aids out there that we all know and love is Zapier. Uh, yeah, it's a phenomenal, love. If your technology doesn't speak to us, you know, to the other technology. Use Zapier; it'll solve nine times out of ten. It'll solve whatever your challenge is. Uh, so they're if integrated. you guys,
1: if that is a foreign word to you, it's Z A P I E R. If you guys are listening and that's foreign to you, and you want to know more about automation, DM me on Instagram, message me on LinkedIn, because I built our entire business on Zapier, as far as the workflows go, we will be plugged into some other stuff with Keller Williams, but all my businesses with Zapier because it allows you to be basically technology agnostic on any particular brand. You can plug everything into each other and it will save so much time and money once you get it done. And it's, it's the best thing ever.
0: Absolutely. 100% agree. It's a fantastic platform. <clears throat> so Zapier, so you see your CRM, Zapier... Uh, I'm a big fan of dialers, uh, you know, what about document
1: management, Google drive, Dropbox,
0: CRM. Um, but so I, we, we had to use Dropbox for a long time. Uh, we're doing a lot more Google docs now, Google forms. Um, and, uh, just, I'll be honest, like, for example, I don't prefer slides as much as PowerPoint, but because it works with my Google form, my Google uh, suite of uh, products, if you will. It makes it easy for me to be in a, in a, in a slide or in a, right. a, a sheet or a doc and have other people in there at the same time. And it's, more, it's easier to collaborate with them on that particular document or slide or whatever. So I'm definitely leaning more toward the Google suite of products uh, than I ever had before. Um, that, that said, I, I like to be able to work with all of them because we've yeah. got that are working with, you know, different uh, suite of products all the time. So you've got to have great technology. It's very easy to put it in place if you know what you're doing. If you don't know what you're doing, it's very easy to find someone who does and have them help you put it in place. Don't let it be a stumbling block. Don't let it be a hurdle for you. Just figure out who needs to help you with it get the help you need and move on. And I would say,
1: what would you, do you agree at a minimum, start with getting paperless?
0: Oh yeah. Right, like... management. That's going to come down to your CRM, right? Yeah. Uh, more often than not, most CRMs are going to have a paperless solution now, uh, and it also depends on the office you're with. Depends on you know your current company that you're working with. They may have requirements. A lot of them use Dot Loop. You know, a lot of DocuSign. I mean, who knows what they're going to use? You okay. just need to make sure that you your systems work with your office and your CRM. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, cool. But yes, yeah, so- in paperless.
1: Awesome. So I ask each guest five questions and then once we'll we'll wrap that up, then we'll get your links to make sure that um, everyone knows where to go. But what's the one thing that most people don't know about you?
0: (laughs) Wow. Uh, Getting kind of personal.
1: (laughs) I was going to say, how transparent do you want me to be?
0: (laughs) Well, I mean, it's like, it's
1: like the pasties. We got to be, we got to be politically correct. Right.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, what's one thing pe- most people don't know about me? Uh, okay, here's one: I used to race jet skis a long time ago. Uh, I was actually first in Canada and third in the world, uh, jet ski racing. How crazy is that?
1: Nice, so
0: interesting. Number one in the world in slalom for what's for like skis? the
1: fastest you've got on a jet ski? Yeah,
0: uh, you know, it's less about speed. I mean, speed's important. Be wrong. I mean, you know, I think uh, at the time this was years ago, and it has changed a lot now. By the way, they haven't substantially faster uh, in the last couple of decades. Um but we were pushing 84, 85. Uh on the water, pretty, that's fast. When you hit the water at 85, it hurts <laughs> a lot. <laughs> when you hit somebody else on the water at 85, it can be deadly. I mean i I I, I broke a guy's femur once uh at going around a buoy. And yeah, I mean it's it can be dangerous, but it's really less about speed and it's more about um about it's similar to life, right? for me, I, I was heavy back then. I've lost a hundred pounds since then. And, and, uh, right? and, um, I cheated. I went I had the Tijuana diet, right? I went down to Tijuana, got weight loss surgery. So <laughs> worked it great. It worked great. I was I'm very happy with the result that said, when I was racing, everybody started off and they'd be way ahead of me. And I had to catch up with them. Uh, during the race in order to win. And, and I did, I'd pass everybody eventually, but here's, here's how I won. And I was always first, second, or third in virtually every race I ever ran. And I finished first, second, or third. Why? A couple of reasons. One, my equipment always worked and that's, and that's very important. So you were talking about systems and automation, make sure it works. And simplicity is important to that. So one of the reasons my equipment always worked is because I didn't overcome, it. I would race a limited boat in a super slot, super stock class. So I didn't do all the crazy mods that a lot of did. might've cost me a half a mile, but guess what? I was always on the start line. Number two, I would, I would get behind. number one, I'd get, you know, I get by the guy in front of me and I'd wait for him to screw up. They always do. They always make a mistake. So I just get right behind them. I don't push it. I just wait. And as soon as they make that mistake, boom, I all capitalize right. on that right ahead. And that's how I went from doing three, 400 transactions, or four 500 transactions a year to doing over a thousand transactions a year. When the market shifted last time, and I've been telling my clients this for the last uh, couple, of, couple of months now, uh, well, now, really hammering on the last couple of months. When everybody else is giving up lead sources, what do we do? We buy lead sources. Mm-hmm. What happens is when the market tightens up, people panic, they start getting rid of their lead sources. They drop and and those expenses, the, yep. That's right, they're trying to cut expenses. So what we did was we picked up their lead sources, particularly the seller lead sources, yep. particularly exclusive ones, And now all of a sudden lead flow went down. So a few months later, their agents weren't getting as many leads. Guess what their agents did? They started looking for other places there. So we took the best of the best on their agents. Then when the agents were no longer there, the agents weren't providing transactional dollars, you know, so they weren't closing transactions. There was no money coming to pay the administrative staff. So guess what happened next? We were able to take the cream of the crop out of the administrative staff members, and we were able to hire those. And that's how we scaled. Um, so number one's always going to screw up eventually, just get behind them and wait for it to happen. So there you go. There's, there's my, what you don't know about me.
1: Love it. All right, cool. So question two is two part part. Uh, one is what's the best piece of advice you've ever received?
0: Oh man. So many, do I have to limit it to just one?
1: No, you can do two. Well, there's a follow-up to that. So you might be able to share more.
0: Okay. Well, all right this isn't a piece of advice I got. This is a piece of advice I gave myself. Um, But in business, the best thing I ever did in business, when I first got into real estate, I was 18 years. And I said to myself, I'm going to make six figures a year selling real estate. This is, again, this is 30 years ago when six figures was something. And so I was all excited about it. I'm like, I'm going to do this. I'm going to make six figures. And in order to do that, I'm only going to take advice from people that make at least six figures a year selling real estate.
1: That's genius. That's so smart. Yeah. Love it. Okay. What's the best piece of advice you want to give the audience?
0: If you want to climb to the top of Mount Everest, you need a guide who's been to the top of Mount Everest before. Yeah. Hire a coach who sells more, the more real estate than you want to sell. If you want to sell hundred homes a year, you better have a coach that's doing at least hundred homes a year. Right now If you want to sell 500 homes a year. You better get a coach that's doing that stop thinking that somebody that's never done what you do is ever going to be able to tell you how to do what you need to do.
1: Amen. All right. Question number three, what's one of your favorite books or the one that's had the greatest impact on you?
0: Uh, so can I, can I cheat and use one of the ones I wrote?
1: Totally. Totally. Yeah. We want to <laughs> yeah, hear it. Best
0: Selling books out there right now. Uh, so three, three Amazon national bestsellers that uh, I would say for every agent watching this right now, I would say if there's one book you need to read, start with, um, the club wealth, um, buyer, uh, it's, it's the world-class buyer agent book okay. and, uh, 434 pages. It really walks you through this, not only how to work with buyers, but everything about kind of how to have us from start to finish, how to grow a business in real estate. Now, if I had to pick a book that wasn't a book that we wrote and by the way, that's available on Amazon, go search Amazon for club wealth, real estate book, and all our books will come up.
1: I'll link it in the show uh, notes too.
0: Yeah, it's great. I mean, it's literally three. Every book we've written has been a national bestseller so far. Um, if I had to pick something that wasn't one that we wrote, there's a couple. So if it was finance and for, for money, uh, the best book on money is The Richest Man in Babylon. Got to mm-hmm. read it. I love that book. Yep. Richest yeah. Man in Babylon by George Carson. Uh Book on real estate uh, and specifically on investing. Read anything by Robert Kiyosaki, particularly Rich yep. Dad, Poor Dad. Rich Dad, Poor Dad. Dad. Poor Dad. Highly recommend. Great book. Another one, if you want to talk about business and how I run a business, I would read the Cash Flow quadrant by Robert Kiyosaki. Another yes. great book. Um, now when you've read those and you really want to go deep on a couple, I'm giving you a whole bunch of books. I hope, sorry about the yeah, You're good. Here. This is great. I'm a nerd. Like I love it. Okay. So I'll give you a couple others that are super good. You want to learn how to network. The best book on networking is called networking with millionaires by Thomas Stanley. He's the one who wrote, um, the Millionaire Next Door, which is also. I, I was going to say,
1: I was going to say, when you talk about finance, The Millionaire Next Door is one of my most favorite books ever. And okay.
0: It's a great book. And, 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 and I'll tell you, that's another one on finance. That, that one ranks right up there with The Richest Man in Babylon. Uh, for, yeah. For, uh, Have you, um, this
1: one's a newer one, but by uh, David Bach, The Latte Factor. Have you read that one? I'm uh, not
0: familiar with it. It's,
1: it's really easy to read. It's really based for more. It's he sets it for millennials, but it's a, it's an easy read similar to like who moved my cheese. It's, Mm -hmm. uh, it reads like that in the sense of like kind of a story, but it's great. Great.
0: I haven't heard of it. Uh, it sounds, sounds like a great book. Um, another, there's another author that you guys follow that is old school. And if you really learn his stuff and you apply it with today's technology, can be super powerful. It's a guy named Harvey McKay who wrote swim with the sharks without being eaten alive. Uh, Another one of his titles is dig your well before you're thirsty. Uh, He wrote a great book on negotiating called beware the naked man who offers his shirt. Uh, (laughs) Oh yeah. I mean, this guy is dialed in great stuff. Yeah. I'd, I'd recommend all of those. And so, and they look, everybody knows new books, but here's what's really interesting to me. There's really no new stuff, right? It's all based on stuff. These guys that I'm telling about these books that I'm telling you about, those are the guys that really wrote the book, right? Napoleon Hill, think and grow rich. Yes. I mean, if, you, if you haven't read "Think and Grow rich, you better, if you haven't read seven habits of highly effective people, you better. Right. Uh, I mean, there's, there's a handful of books out there that you have to have to read long before you read any of the new stuff.
1: Yeah. Do you reread or do you just, do you just have them and file back or
0: both, uh, I do reread it. Uh, I I'm more, I buy books and paperbacks. I don't. Uh, I, I, I mean, don't get me wrong. Ebooks and audiobooks are fine. Um, and and don't get me wrong. I, I'm not. I'm, I'm you know, if you're going to go for a run and you're and you want to listen to an audiobook, go for it. Uh, in the car, I'm not listening to books in the car. I'm making phone calls. I'm yeah. making money driving down the road. Uh, so, but with the books or the paperback book. I can go in, I can mark it up. I can dog the pages. I can easily, I can, I can make it very easy to reference the information that I need to reference. So very quickly, I mean, how many, who hasn't read the millionaire real estate agent if you haven't read that you're freaking crazy. Right? Right. So, I normally have a copy sitting on my desk. It's on my bookshelf over there. I, I'd go grab it, but I don't want to run away from the show here. Um, but you know, the other day, somebody's asked me about profit sharing programs. I said, well, let's go grab the MRE book. And I was never okay. a Keller Williams guy, right? Don't yeah. I, I've, I've always been, uh, in, well, not always, but most of my career, as an independent broker. But Gary's a smart guy. And that book, yeah. so much of that book is still valuable to this day. Right? Um, how great is it to be able to run over to the shelf and grab, you know, a little section on profit share models and be able to share that with somebody who needs it right now. Right. Um, so yeah, lots of, lots of great books out there. I will tell you this, be a reader. Yes. Be, be a learner, be, just be a lifelong learner, but, but implement what you learn.
1: Right. Don't, don't just don't consume, do consume. You yeah. You got to implement. Uh, what's your current morning routine? <laughs>
0: So I'm huge on social media. So we've got a Facebook group with about 34,000 people in it. So the very, very first thing I do, I wake up, you know, usually between 3:30 and four o'clock in the morning.
1: Oh dear Lord. All right.
0: Alarm. Don't need an alarm for that. My body's just used to it. Um,
1: what time do you go to bed? Uh, usually about
0: nine, 10 o'clock. Uh, you know, I'll usually once I lay in bed, I watch TV for about an hour, much to my wife's dismay. And uh I love her to death. She's she's super patient with me. Um, but uh, you know, I'll usually get about five hours of sleep at night. I I have a hard time sleeping more than five hours. My body just knows that there's too much to get done. Um, and so I'm not suggesting that for other people. I'm just saying that just happens to be my lifestyle. So first thing I do when I get up, uh, this is this. People are going to probably criticize me for this, but the reality is the very first thing I do is I lean over, I grab phone, which sits right next to my bed on silent. So if you call me at three o'clock in the morning, you're not waking me up. I grab my phone and I jump on Facebook and I spend about an hour on Facebook and I make more money in that hour than most people will make all day.
1: Wow. Uh,
0: but it's powerful. And I, I, I respond to things. I'm, I'm very good about responding to the notifications on Facebook. You know, when people have commented on my posts, interacted with me, tagged me and stuff. Um, and then I make my posts for the day and I make sure that sometime between uh, very, very important for me uh, is that sometime between five forty five and six fifteen, my big post for the day comes out okay. um, in a group. So in fact, if you guys want to, you guys can all join the Facebook group. It's uh, facebook.com forward slash group forward slash club wealth. It's free, um, super smart agents. And, and so I'll post something in that group about around that time. Of day. And I, sometimes I'll set it. Like if I have my first call, oftentimes I'm on the West coast. Oftentimes my first phone call will be at five o'clock in the morning. Cause I'm calling somebody on the East coast. Uh, and so that works out well for me. And so if that's the case, then I'll schedule my post for the day um yeah and that's kind of it i mean that's I, so do i go work out in the morning nope don't do that do i eat in the morning nope i grab a protein shake do i have one here i don't have one sitting here but uh i grab a little fair life milk they're little 42 pro, eight grams of protein per bottle grab one of those suckers and a and a water and that's my breakfast so when i'm on my first call i'm drinking that and hitting the water and uh that's what i do
1: nice oh. Love it. Yeah. I don't know if I can compete with that. That's a way early wake up call. Um, all right. Last question. How do you unplug and unwind?
0: Oh, uh, easy. Uh, time with family and we go, we travel a lot. We, and we travel, we, I'm in, I live in Washington state, right? We're the Switzerland of America. Like it's beautiful here. It is beautiful. Oh yeah. We do a ton of hiking. We go like this weekend for, you know, it was Memorial day weekend last weekend and my wife and I, she she is such a wonderful person. Wait till you meet her. You're going to love her. Um, We went to uh, Leavenworth. It's a Bavarian village in in the middle of the Alps, you know, the mountains in Washington. And uh, so we went up there, had a little uh, little dinner up there and then drove back down to the Salish lodge, which is beautiful spa hotel uh, in uh, another part of the state. And I just spent the weekend just relaxing by this beautiful waterfall and um, just really doing nothing. That's awesome.
1: That's awesome. So, if people want to get a hold of you, how can they find you? Are you you're on Facebook and Instagram or just
0: Facebook? I'm on Instagram, but I'll be honest on? with you, I'm not on Instagram that often. Yeah, um, I'm on I'm Facebook do. constantly. Yeah. Uh, Most people
1: have a preference. So, it's good to know where you like people to show up so you can be responsive
0: it's it, for me to be responsive, Facebook messenger, super responsive. Um, another thing you can do if, if you want to reach out, well, we talked about the Facebook group, you know, join the Facebook group. I'm super responsive in there. Uh, and if you want to just get those lead sources, I promise you guys, those lead sources, um, send a text message. I'll give you a phone number. I'll give it, you guys ready for it. Yep. And, uh, all right. Send, text the words club wealth, two words, club wealth, text that seven two seven two eight seven. 5993 I'll give it to you again, 727-287-5993, send that text and I will respond with, and i say this all the time, but I'll, I'll respond with our current 17 best lead sources. Um, and don't try and implement them all, you know, now a lot of them are free, so that's cool. And you can definitely work on, you know, get those implemented away. Um, but really dial in one right away, get that figured out. And one.
1: then you're saying to implement one, new, one new one, a quarter.
0: Every quarter. Uh, I, I can't tell you, man, I did this my entire career and it was, and I got to the point where I could implement them faster than that. When you've, when you've done enough of them, adding another top into the funnel is actually easy right. uh, because all the middle and bottom of the funnel stuff is already dialed in. Right. Uh, but you got to start somewhere. So just start with one, a quarter. Cool.
1: Love it. Awesome. Well, thank you for your time today. There were so many I'm going to have to go back to this episode and just pick out some of the nuggets because there was so much that we could talk about, but, um, as far as showcasing it, but is there anything else you want to add before we close up the show today?
0: Um, understand this. And, and first of all, selfishly, I'd love to tell you, get a coach, uh, you know, agents with a coach outperform agents without a coach, uh, by some studies, eight to one and by others, uh, 11 to one that said, whether you get a coach or not, you need to understand three things. You can be successful in this industry. You can do it right now in this market and you can do it in whatever market you're in. You just have to choose to do it. So just know, do it, do it here and I can do it now. And if you can dial that, if you can really understand that and convince yourself of that, you'll, you'll be like Napoleon Hill who says what the mind conceive and believe it can achieve. So go do it. Anybody tell you can't. Awesome
1: love it. Cool. Well, thank you for your time today and we will stay in touch. I'll connect with you and we'll make sure we link the phone number, all the links to the club wealth, Facebook group, to your consulting and coaching program. And we appreciate your time.
0: Appreciate it. Thanks, Stephanie.